This is Pastor Chadwick King. I hope you enjoy the ministry of God's Holy Word today provided by the Promise Center Media Ministry. Please share this lesson or sermon with your friends and family. And may the Lord bless you. Glad you're here. Glad you're here. You may be seated. You guys are looking good. It's such a beautiful day outside. Love it. I'm so excited that you guys are all here in this house. Get to worship the risen Savior. We've been on a journey the last uh, two weekends, and now this weekend, going through the resurrection and going through Passion Weekend one day at a time. Day one, day two, day three is today, the day of change. So we'll be talking about that in just a moment. I got to give honor to our dream team who just every week do an amazing job hosting us. Not only on the weekend, but during the during the the week, you know, people serving in different capacities. And I want to just say this and and say if if you're if you if you need a place to call home, we love for you to call Promise Center Home. We have growth track that starts next week at 10 a.m. You can come to the earlier service, then go to 10, or go to the 10 and, and stay over for this service, or however you want to negotiate that, figure that out. But we love for you to call this place your home, get involved, and make a difference. And and uh, God is doing great things, and the best is yet to come. Amen. All right, Psalms chapter 32 and 5, Psalms chapter 32 and verse 5, and it reads like this, then I acknowledge my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. So I'll acknowledge my sin, I'm not going to cover up my iniquity, and I'm going to Confess my transgressions. And I know what you're thinking. This person's really messed up. Okay? They got a lot of stuff going on. But I want to talk to you today about the true power of the resurrection. What it means that Jesus came alive, is resurrected, is alive forevermore on the third day for you and I. Amen? How many here, gentlemen, gentlemen, gentlemen in the house, how many here you have a honeydew list? A honeydew list? You know what that is? That's the, that's the list that your wife gives you. Um, it's not always written down. It's spoken, but it's a list that exists that you can't, you don't write it. It doesn't go here. It's like right here. So everywhere you go, it's just right here. Anybody? Can I get a witness? Any? How many, how many will confess that maybe you have some things that, that have been on that list for over, over six months? Can I get a six-month batteries in the, yeah, in something, or there's something broke, or, you know, plug, or something, and honey, honey, and, and, and we're still, how many, one year, can we just get some honest men who will confess their sins, we got, we got a year over here, anybody else, right here, thank you for the confessing for Sam, Sam, Amen. you have an advocate, wonderful, you're going to be free today, so good, so good. So I have, um, I want to show you something I've been working on. Pretty nice, huh? I built that. I built that. Yeah. So three years ago, my wife came to me and said, I want a planter box that's raised off the ground. And I said, I'll start looking into it. And so I learned what a screwdriver and a hammer were, and that was the first step. And so today... Today, um, around 5 or 6 o'clock, this planter box, uh, let's do the aerial view. Uh, yeah, it's not complete yet. And, uh, <laughs> but today, around 5 or 6 o'clock, I'm going to finish this planter box in Jesus' name. 
and then proceed to the next 14 other things that are on the list. Now, we've all, we've all had things that were, best, the best way to say it is maybe looming, right? Something that's there, and uh, maybe it's not the honeydew list. Maybe it's um, a conflict that wasn't resolved. Maybe it was uh, something you did, something you said, a way you acted that wasn't taken care of, and it's just, it's looming. It's not finished. It's not taken care of. It's not, the box is not checked. And it's interesting that when Jesus on the sixth day of the week, Friday, he says it is finished. It's also on the sixth day of the week that God in creation in Genesis chapter 1 said it's finished. Day 1, day 2, day 3, day 4, day 5, day 6, God creates the world, the cosmos. He creates everything, even the living things, uh, vegetation, the plants, the creeping things, the fowl of the air, the fish of the sea, and humanity says it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's not done, but it's good, it's almost there, it's good, it's good, we're getting there, honey, and sometimes I have to remind my my wife that, you know, God made everything in six days, give me six years, and I'll get this planter box done, but on the last day, that day six, uh, God says it's finished, it's done, and then the seventh day, he rested, now there's a big misnomer, and this is the one I want to kind of address, is that the misnomer is that God rested because he was tired, sleepy, he had, he'd worked, his arms were heavy, couldn't lift him over his head, he was like, whoo, tell the angels, hey, that was quite a feat, making humanity and the cosmos and all, you know, the, the worlds and the galaxies, wow, didn't know that was going to be that tough, no, that's not what that means at all, God didn't have splinters in his hand, he wasn't needing a siesta after the fiesta, what God was doing is the Bible says simply, he rested because he was finished with his work. When you're done, when you've finished, there's rest that comes when something is finished. And what's really cool about the cross and what Jesus did on Calvary is it's a finished work. Like you can't add anything to that. You can't add a pinch of your righteousness or even you can't add too much of your sin or failure to make that of non-effect. Like what Jesus did on the cross, he purchased your salvation. He purchased your healing and deliverance. He purchased your soul. He did it all and it's done. And so we don't have to work or strive for it. In fact, I would submit to you today that the worst thing you could do is try. The best thing you could do is trust the finished work of Jesus Christ. The greatest thing you can do for your life and your faith and your relationship with Jesus is to trust the finished work that he performed on that day. I love this verse that we read. It says, then I acknowledge my sin. You didn't, didn't cover up the iniquity. I said, I will, con- I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. You forgave me and the guilt of my sin. That's a great verse. I remember my friend uh, several years told me the story about uh, he was at camp. It was a summer camp, a Christian summer camp. He was about 15, 16 years old, and he stole the golf cart that the staff were using, okay? Sin, big no-no, all right? And so he's, he's going, and he's, there's this grass hill, and he's going down the hill on the golf cart as fast as he can, and he turns it, and he's sliding. And it's like, it's like 11 o'clock at night. And there's, there's staff, there's pastors there, there's youth pastors, and they're all in the lounge. And he's doing this, in, like, into where, the, where all these cars are parked. And he ends up, the last time, you know, you get braver and braver, he ends up spinning that thing, and it's spinning, spinning. And he goes, boom, right to the side of one of the pastor's trucks. 
just dents the whole thing in. And he does what any good Christian would do. He takes off running. He is gone. He is running. So what ends up happening, God ends up calling him into ministry. He ends up starts, he starts he, you know, preaching and ministering. He gets invited to go to a church, the pastor, the truck that he wrecked. So he's, he, you know, he's 15, 20 minutes from getting up and preaching. You know, he's got the word of the Lord. And now he can't preach because he's feeling so guilty. He's like, I can't do this. i got to tell this guy. And so he finally you know, meanders over before service. He's like, i got to tell you something. He's like, what is it? He tells the pastor, he says, hey, pastor, look. A couple years ago, 10, 12 years ago, I was, I was on that golf cart at camp, that summer Christian camp, and and I wrecked into the truck, and I believe that truck was yours. And the pastor said, Rich, man, me, all the staff members, and all the pastors, we were all watching you the whole time. <laughs> he said, he said, you crazy guy. He said, as soon as you did, he said, as soon as you did it, I forgave you. And this is what Rich, when, he, when Rich and I were talking, he, he said this, he said, you know, he said, Mercy is given at the point of your failure, but it's not revealed until you confess. There's some people who, man, you, you, you think like, man, you're running from God, you're hiding, he, you can keep this, you can't bury, you can't, he knows, and he loves you despite your failures. The cross is complete. He has forgiven you of yours. Come on, that's good news, somebody. That's, that's like, that's good news. Amen. So here's the question. How, how good do you need to be? Let's put this right up here. So this is what a lot of people, we got the list from zero to a hundred. Um, so every one of us in our own minds on some level, we kind of put our somewhere, ourselves somewhere on this list. Now please don't yell it out, but, but you know that you're like somewhere on that list. Some of you may be like, man, I'm on the bad side. I just feel really like I've just made a lot of mistakes. And then maybe some of you are like feeling pretty good about yourself. Like, yeah, I don't make too many mistakes. I'm, I'm doing pretty well. I'm, I'm over there in the, 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 the 80s, maybe low 90s. I'm, I'm not Mother Teresa, you know, but I'm, I'm doing pretty good. And then there's some people who are just right on that 50. You know, you're just like right there on the 50. And you're just hoping that like when it's all said and done, you'll have 51 good and 49 bad. You just want to have one more on your little, your little weight, Right? And so we, we think in these terms, like how bad is bad, and we almost become, it's almost like sophisticated sin. We've negotiated how we live, because we don't want to be on the bad, bad side. Those are the real bad people, just real bad. But, I mean, we'll never be Mother Teresa, and we, we say these things. So we try to find some, maybe somewhere between 50 and 100. We just want to be right there. We've made mistakes. We've been to traffic school. We all have. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. And... Uh, We've, we've, we've made our mistakes and da-da-da-da. But, but we're, we're, no, we're not zero. We're not 100, but we're not zero. So the question is, like, like how good do you have to be? Like, where do you, you got to land on that? And then we look in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and 50. Watch this. It's pretty plain. Now this I say, brethren, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither does corruption inherit incorruption. Essentially saying... Any sin, if you violated one of the laws, you violated the whole thing. No sin, no sinner can inherit the kingdom of God. 
I've got really bad news. Are you ready? If you have ever, ever sinned against the Lord, you cannot go to heaven based on your merit. So, got a few faces like, where's this going? I'm about to get up and run out, all right? That's the real bad news. I'm going to give you the real good news, Romans 3 and 23. <laughs> For everyone, turn your neighbor and say, that's you. No, don't do that. That was terrible. <laughs> For everyone has sinned. We have all fallen short of God's glorious standard. God has a glorious standard for your life. Big plans, big purpose. Yet God, with undeserved kindness, declares that we are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. For he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in the present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is fair and just, and he declares sinners to be right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. So, none of us are a hundred. Maybe a few of us are in the lows, but at the end of the day, what defines my life and my future and my hope is not what has happened to me, but what has happened for me 2,000 years ago. That is the cornerstone of our faith, that what Jesus did 2,000 years ago on the cross, in the grave, and coming out of the tomb has drastically and dramatically changed my life here today, and my future forevermore. Let me say it like this, and this may offend some, and if it does, come see me after service. I'd love to talk it out with you, okay? Give me a chance to talk it out with you. But here's what we say here at The Promise. So this, is kind of, this is kind of a statement of faith. Good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. Is that okay? Is that, I don't want to, I'm, I'm not trying to, I'm just trying to tell you that if you try to do it on your own, you're going to fall short every single, every single time. It's not my righteousness, it's his righteousness that's made a way where there was no way. He did it, he purchased, it's his blood, he made a way where there was no way. Amen? All right, so, so as we look here, we go, okay, that's good. Okay, I'm forgiven. So now i got to deal with the sin stuff, like, because we've all fallen short of the glory of God and so I want to stop sinning. Okay, I'm just going to have a conversation with you guys. Is okay? I'm just going to talk about this for a moment. So we go, I want to stop sinning. And this is what psychologists call the double bind. It's like saying, you know, tell someone, be spontaneous. And they go, okay, I'll be spontaneous. Well, they weren't spontaneous because you told them to be spontaneous. It's like saying, you know, your wife's saying, do the dishes. And I wish you love to do the dishes. And you're like, how am I supposed to love to do the dishes? I love you, but I don't love the dishes. It's just never going to happen. Don't love the dishes. I love you. That didn't go over very well. I guess I see a lot of women like going, hey. <laughs> right. It's the same thing as saying, you know, don't sin. Can you, can you stop sinning by trying to not sin? It's like saying, don't look over there. And everyone goes, whoop. How do, we, how do we overcome this? How do we conquer this? I want to give you a couple things real quick. Write this on the back of your worship guide. We have a place for notes, and it says this. Sin, we're going to get some definitions so we know how to 
uh, talk together and have these down. Sin is any action or response that is less than God's best for your life. It's missing the mark. Missing the mark. The next is transgression. Transgression. It is the intentional disobedience to God's best for your life. Like it's the one that you grapple with. You're like, I shouldn't do it. I shouldn't do it. I shouldn't do it. Okay, I'll eat the donut. You know, <laughs> not really the donut, but but, but that that's the uh, you know better. The Bible says that we transgress the law. We know the law. We know what we should have done. Transgression is something that saved people do. People that have been forgiven. People that aren't in darkness. They know better. And still, despite knowing right and wrong, they do the wrong thing. That's why the Bible says the way of a transgressor is hard. Doesn't matter. You know it's right and it's hard. And I'm going to tell you, once you've been touched by the Spirit, once you've been changed by the gospel, you try to go back into those old ways, it's a, it's a mess. Like, it, you, you're just going to be crazy. You're going to be crazy until you come back home to the Father's house. I feel a little preach coming on, and I, I, I don't know if you're ready for it. I just feel the gears are Okay. And then the third is iniquity. Iniquity is the deeply rooted predisposition to sin or transgression. It is not the action of sin, but it is the predisposition, your heart's bend towards sin. You have it. I have it. We got it generationally. David said this in the psalm. He said, born in sin, shapen in iniquity. Your shape, your bend is sinful. You have a sinful nature that if you just allow your nature, your, your natural nature to, to do its thing, like it's like a screensaver on the computer. If you just stop, don't touch the mouse, don't touch the keyboard, the screensaver comes up. The screensaver of your heart is selfishness and sin. It's iniquity. It dwells in you. Let me just tell you. You're not an angel. Send me an angel. You're, you're not an angel. I'm not an angel. We are fallen, broken humanity. So watch your wallets. I'm just kidding. <laughs> we're, all, we're all broken. We're all messed up. And it happens because we were born in sin, shapen in iniquity. And so here's the deal. The cross is like the cure to sin. I have sin. I need to go to the doctor. Is there a cure? Yeah. We and so I'm like, oh, this is great. The cross has paid for my, I, the sin's gone. And then I mess up again. It's like breaking your phone. Or it's like Charity running her car when she was young. And I'm trying to be kind. But you were a terrible driver from the age of 16 to 30. You're doing better now. You got kids and you got wise and God's helping you. But there was one time where my sister had more paint colors on her car. When she sideswiped, her car was red. She swiped at a black car, a white car. There was blue, different shades of maroon, bumps, bruises. Tailpipe was just doing this. It was just all bad, okay? And I had a, we had a wonderful dad who would just be like, yeah, we'll fix it. We'll be, you know. And there was, so a lot of Christians, it's, it's more, we're, we're sin maintenance. We know we're forgiven, and so we, we, we live, we sin, we mess up, we go, oh, oh, at least we have forgiveness. And you do have forgiveness, and that's wonderful. But what if we would step into the power of the third day, where it's not just he forgives me when I mess up, but he gives me the power to overcome, to be changed, 
to change my iniquity. In fact, Jesus had this discussion, okay? Anybody like, like trees, plant trees, doing all that stuff? Like plant plants? I may have to have you come help me finish this. <laughs> Jesus says this. He goes, look, it's it, out of the heart, out of the, the issues of the heart, everything flows. So, so your, if your heart's bad, everything's bad. Heart's good, everything's good. And they're like, no, no, Jesus, you're wrong. Jesus goes, look, there's bad fruit on the tree. That means the tree is bad. If there's good fruit, the tree is good. <gasps> oh, okay, that, that makes sense. But people say all the time, don't they? You've heard this said, I'm a good person. I just do bad things. Has anybody heard that before? But I'm a good person. Jesus is in teaching, says, no, you may be a person that we love, a person that has tons of value, a person that Jesus is dying to get to know, literally, but when the heart is sick, the fruit is sick. When the tree is healthy, when the heart is healthy, the fruit is healthy. So we're fruit inspectors. We go, I'm doing this, and so what we try to do is fix it at the fruit, and we're supposed to fix it at the root. How do we get to the root? How do we get to the iniquity? How do we get to the heart and soul of the matter? Jesus stepped into the tomb to resolve the heart of the matter. Because the Bible says that he's given us the Holy Spirit. What's the Holy Spirit? We got Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Why did it say Father, Son, and Grandson? Like, why, why, why Holy Spirit? What is, what is this connoting for us to understand? It's us understanding the impartation of God's holiness and his nature in our lives. I've got a sinful, broken nature, but then he gives me his Holy Spirit, and now he changes my nature from the inside out. Why? Jesus said, if you can win from within, you can win from without. Before Jesus won on the outside of the tomb, he went into the tomb and won on the inside. Jesus was resurrected on the inside, then he came out victorious. Let me just tell you, if your inward, your inward world is winning, your outward world will win. There's a lot of people who aren't winning from within. You've got covered sin. You've got issues. You, you haven't let God move into the areas of your iniquity, predispositions, things that maybe you grew up with, maybe, maybe a generational curse. You don't believe in that. I do believe in it. I think there's stuff passed on. There's nothing that the cross can't cure and fix. But here's the deal. Why do we just have the cure for sin? I'm sick fix me. Okay, I'm better. Went to church, feeling better. Did a little praise, a little kumbaya, a little hallelujah, amen. Now I'm feeling better. Go back out, get contaminated again. Come back in, feel a little bit better. Is that the life? We're just chronically managing our sin and our sickness? Or is there a vaccine that keeps us from getting sick again? Not just a cure, but a vaccine that keeps us, empowers us, to walk through this sick world without being contaminated by its sickness. Did Jesus really die just to manage you till you go to heaven? All right, weak little feeble Christians. You have no power. I have power to forgive you, but you have no power to overcome this thing called sin. No, he rose from the dead to give you the same power that raised his body from the dead. Power over sin, power over the grave, power over addiction, power over fear, power over doubt. There's power, there's power through the resurrection. And so many Christians are living with the, with the cure but not the vaccine. 
They're living with the, I know where to go. I need help. Run back to the, wonderful. Keep doing that. But can I tell you that there is something that the Lord gave us, his blood, a transfusion that changes our nature. All of a sudden you go, you know what, that addiction, I, I, I'm not even craving that anymore. You're trying to manage something. God's saying, I've already conquered it. Well, I, you know, all this hate and resentment. Yeah, he already conquered that. That heart that was, all that stuff that was in there. I want to, I want to speak into someone's life today. Quit trying to manage your problem. Quit trying to manage and try. You're trying, you're trying. Quit trying and start trusting the Holy Spirit to bring to life. See, here's the deal. I hope this is making sense. Jesus didn't come to make bad people act better. If I can just get them to just act a little bit better, just sin a little bit more. We got our, we got our sin numbers down this week. Heaven! Sin numbers are down in the church. Yeah, God, it's been raining. Nobody has, uh, can't go out and do anything bad. All right. Pollen in the air. I didn't look at that. All right, those numbers aren't right. Okay. Sin numbers. That's not why Jesus came. You just, 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 just manage the sin. Jesus didn't come just to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. The Bible says this, we were dead in our sins. We were dead in our sins. Now we have been quickened through the Spirit. Let me just tell you this. I, 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 I couldn't do what I do here without the Holy Spirit. Without resurrection power. If I was up here without the power of the Spirit, I'd be like knees knocking. I'd probably just faint. I faint, and I just pass out right there. I don't even pray well. Like, if you were to hear me pray, like, you'd be like, dear God, this, this is like a cat getting mauled. Like, like I, I need the Holy Spirit to help me pray. Like, I'm just telling you. The Holy Spirit, God, God doesn't give His Holy Spirit to make me better than you. He gives His Holy Spirit to me to make me better than me. Is that okay? I, I hope this is making sense. What, what I'm saying is this, is like, like there's a better you that's in Christ. There's a, the Bible says that all things are passed away, all things become new, and a lot of us are living in the old, managing our sin, just managing in our grief and guilt, and we're just kind of, we're working around it. We've learned to kind of deal with it, and it's just our thing, and everyone's a sinner, and everyone just, again, I, mercy upon mercy, grace for grace, I'll get it. We'll forgive, we'll love a million times over. But a lot of us have a high calling, we're living at a low altitude. Not God's best for us. I want to I summon you up. I want to I lift it, well, let's say, let's go up higher. Let's go up higher. Day three, we're coming out of the tomb. We're coming out in power. We're stepping into a new dimension. Did you know there's a difference between being raised from the dead and resurrected from the dead? A lot of people don't realize this, but this is an important thing. See, Jesus raised people from the dead. Lazarus, remember Lazarus? Good chap, you know, good friend of Jesus. Dies. Jesus is like, come back. And Lazarus comes back. And, and Lazarus is living in Arizona today. He's like, when will this ever end? 
You've chosen wisely, Chuck. No Indiana Jones references. Okay, I get it. <laughs> I didn't know who was listening. All right. So he's still alive today. No, he got old and died because he was raised from the dead, brought back from the dead. Jesus wasn't raised from the He was resurrected. We, the word raised is interchangeable in the scripture, but the, the reference of resurrected is the total, it has a totally different meaning. He, came into, he went into death and came out the other side. Watch this, Romans chapter 6 and 9. Let's put it up on the screen really quickly. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead or resurrected, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. So the resurrection power, the Bible says the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead has raised us. Guess what? There's two rewards. One is heaven. That happens later. How many want to go to heaven? How many want to go today? Hands always go down. Hands always go down. <laughs> Put your hand down, Margaret. Okay. <laughs> two gifts. Heaven, it's a place, a real place. I go to prepare a place. That's a, that's a gift. But the other one, you get now. You know what it is? Eternal life. And you get that now. It starts now. The spirit brings life. It raises us to life. The new man. There's a new man and there's the old bad man that I have to constantly crucify. But there's a new nature living inside of me. There's a change in my heart. Things that, things that I, I struggled with a long time ago don't struggle because the, the Lord has re-engineered. He's taken my iniquity. He didn't just conquer sin. He conquered iniquities and transgressions. He conquered it all. Okay, I'm going to show you a verse. I haven't shown any of those services this verse, but I like you, so I'm going to show you this one. Isaiah 53. We've got to find it because it's probably. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Next verse. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put in him the grief when he shall make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed and shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. This is a prophecy concerning the suffering Savior. Watch this, next verse, verse 12. I hope you get this, because I was like, I was doing like a little lap around my house. I was so excited when I was reading this. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the great. He shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul into death. He was numbered with the transgressors. He bears the sin of many. He made intercession for the transgressors. Big thing, I'm going just, to just tell you what this means. The inheritance of heaven has been given to Christ. And he's made us a partaker. All the spoils that he got, he's now given them to us. He took, he took the spoil. You know, when you're in a battle, if you, if you fight in a battle, fight a country, you get all the spoils. Back in the day, you get all the spoils. So, so when Rome, when, you know, when, when, um, when, Greek, when, when Greece fought uh, the Persians, then they didn't just win the battle. They took all these spoils. Let us have your gold. Let us have this. Let us have that. They took all this stuff. When Jesus conquered sin and iniquity and transgression, he said he took all the spoils. He took everything back that it had taken from you. He takes it back and he gives it back. He gives it back to us. So, so everything that, that was taken, everything that depression, everything that suicide, everything that uh, sexual addiction took from you, he says, if you get connected to the one who conquered it, he'll give it back. He'll give everything back. He wants to give you a new life, a new hope. I love what, I love what Henry Ford said. They asked Henry Ford, they said, they said hey, you're, you're, you're making this new thing called an automobile. We don't know what that is. We know what horses are and trains are. Why don't, you, why don't you ask the people what they want? And this is what Henry Ford said. He said, if I ask the people what they want, 
they're going to say they want a faster horse. Here's the deal. You and I can't even imagine all that God has for us. We have to stop trying and start trusting. We have to allow his Holy Spirit to come into our life and start changing our hearts and transforming us from the inside out. Would you stand with me? Our worship team is coming and our prayer team is also coming up. We're going to pause and like for the next three or four minutes, we're going to just like close our eyes and open our hearts and let the Holy Spirit speak to us for the next few minutes because I really believe that someone's going to step into the victory that has already been declared over your life by the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus. I believe that there are some things in your heart you're going, I'm trying really hard to stop doing. That's called religion. Religion says, do, do, do better, do better, do better. The gospel says, let him transform your heart. Change the tree, changes the fruit. Right where you are, eyes closed, heads bowed. If you're here today and you're saying, there's some things I've been facing and it's been, it's been stronger than sin. This is a, an iniquity. This is something I've been facing internally. Would you just raise your hand? No one looking around. No one looking around. Amen. Amen. Hands down. If you're here today and, and you've been suffering with guilt and shame, we're going to declare some things over you in just a moment. Would you raise your hand? No one's looking around. No one's looking around. doesn't belong in your heart, doesn't belong on you. You weren't built for guilt. You weren't built for guilt. In the name of the Lord Jesus, I declare over everyone in this room, for he whom the Son has set free is free indeed. The work of the cross has paid for it all. Paid for the cure and the vaccination. And now because of the resurrection, because he's no longer in that tomb, I don't have to stay in mine. I have power to step out with the anointing, with the peace of God upon my heart. And Lord, you're changing me as, as that body on the third day was changed and transformed. Not just raised from the dead, but changed to a resurrected, eternal state. A divine nature, you're changing my heart and my spirit. Transform us today. Lord, I pray the transforming power of the spirit would fall in this house. Let your spirit, let your...